0: Lord, your word in Isaiah 55 says that your words will not return empty to you without first accomplishing that which you had intended. So we pray for that in this time where we gather around your word and to hear your word. Lord, I pray that the the words uh, of my mouth that would be, that they would be of you, and that they would be provided for by you, and that the thoughts that happen in all of our minds would be those that cause us to reflect on your grace and cause us to reflect on how we live out your call on our life. In Christ's name we pray, through the power of the Spirit. Amen. We are continuing at, to head through a series where we called it Household Habits. There are these, these habits that we make a part of our life and and we know that the habits and the things that we do are things that form us, the way that we live, and they form the people who see the way we live. And you know, Just this past Thursday and Friday, uh, quite a few of the staff uh, gathered here at church and then uh, on the Friday at my home to watch a leadership summit, and this is a once-a-year conference that's aimed at making leaders better. Uh, The tagline that they have is, everyone wins when the leader gets better. And so we were watching a variety of these talks. And on Friday, one of them, uh, his name was James Clear. And he wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And he said this during his talk, the true reason habits matter is that they are a vote to the type of person you are going to be. You are building up evidence that you are that type of person. You know, when we think about our habits, particularly the spiritual habits within our life, we as God's people are developing a series of uh, evidence in our life that we are people who believe in the Lord. Hopefully that evidence, when it's stacked up, shows who, who we are, right? It shows what we profess. Clear went on to say that belief, if we don't practice what we believe, do we truly believe that? When we look at the thread of hospitality, which we talked about last week, Does the evidence support that? We looked at how God weaved hospitality all throughout Scripture, saying that the nations were going to be blessed by his people, and showing how Abraham, one of his people, went on to show that hospitality to those three visitors. And then when Christ came, it was he who shared hospitality with many going to their homes, recognizing people's worth when they addressed him. This week, we're going to take an aim at the the busyness within our lives. You know, when we constantly live a busy life going from thing to thing, we begin to associate our lives with that busyness. We associate our lives with that filled schedule. There are times where we get through that week, where we get through that day, and, and perhaps we wonder. I think Emily and I have realized that even this past week. We wonder, we've gone from place to place, doing little thing to little thing, and doing all this variety of stuff that we had on the schedule, some of it not in the schedule, and at the end of the week or end of the day, we wonder, what did we actually accomplish? What what did we actually do with the busyness that happened within our life? I know that my day was busy, I know that it was filled with a variety of things, but Maybe it's hard for us to nail down the important thing that God was trying to do amidst all those things that were scheduled. Perhaps you've experienced that too, where you've gotten to the end of the day, and you are just utterly exhausted. You sit in the chair, you lay down in the couch, and you wonder, What was that all for? Sometimes in our lives, hidden down deep, there's this compulsion and this desire for more. Sometimes we we talk about, yeah, you know, consumerism and the desire for more things, but other times it's the desire for more of other things. Well, if one meeting with this individual was good, well then, of course, two meetings with this person this week would be even better. While if eating lunch with some friends was so refreshing for me, if I schedule that three times, that will be three times more refreshing for me. We keep maybe adding even those good things in our life, those good things that are in the calendar, but what results is going from place to place without the opportunity to enjoy the journey that God is taking you on. Without the ability and the leeway for rest time or the to be ready or prepared for the unexpected. I think I continue to learn that There's not really a time management class in seminary. They teach you maybe how to do most of the things, not all the things, and then you're sent off. And so then I began by filling my schedule top to bottom, making sure that, well, I wasn't going to be at church every evening of the week, only a couple, but I could fill up those days. What happened was the unexpected. And when the unexpected happens and you have no margin in your schedule, what happens? Either you disappoint people or you begin not practicing Sabbath yourself. The longer that we live with these unhealthy patterns, filling our schedule, giving no leeway for the unexpected or no leeway for the time of Sabbath with the Lord, we begin to think that being busy is normal. We begin to think that we're living the same way everyone else is living and that's just the way it's going to be. And there's times that we we hold out hope for when it's not going to be that way anymore we hold out hope for that that magical day in the future where things are going to just slow down the next weekend maybe or or maybe when we get back and take that next vacation we hold out hope for those times or, or maybe we hold out hope for the times where where all our kids will be graduated from high school or college and they'll be out of the house and we think about all the amount of time that we'll gain back. Or we think about that time when we get to the end of our career and we say that we're going to retire. We hold out hope for these things But the problem is, if we've always lived with busyness in our schedule, next weekend's going to come, and the list for that weekend to do is going to be longer than it was last weekend. When we get to the end of that vacation that felt so restful, what's going to happen is we're going to realize that there were so many things that piled up emails and phone calls and appointments that need to be made that first week back and we feel busier than we ever did before. The moment the kids graduate or the moment that we retire somehow will fill our schedule the same way that we did before. As we We think about our busyness dictating our life day after day or week after week or year after year. Let's take that busyness and and place it before the Lord and and see what the Lord has to say to us. As we think about our lives going forward, let's think about what the Bible has for us because the Lord desires to, to bless us to give us grace. And so let's see what the Lord uh, does for us as we look in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, If you grab a black Bible, that'll be page 60. Students, if you got that uh, NIRV with you, it'll be page 88. And we're going to begin at verse 2 and then jump to verse 8. Verse 2, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Out of the land of slavery. We continue to verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing. In your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This command regarding Sabbath finds its roots in the way that The Israelites were forced to live in Egypt. God, before He even gives any of the Ten Commandments, grounds them in what happened in Egypt. He wants the people to remember what happened. Remember that I brought you out of the way of living that you had before. And the way of living you had before It was slavery. For years, the Lord says to them, for years you've been formed by being a slave. And the habits that they experienced on a daily basis were not habits that would provide for a system of Sabbath. Instead, what the people experienced was a system that was focused on production and what Pharaoh could get out of the people that were living in his midst. Pharaoh always had a desire for more. He always needed more bricks. Because if he had more bricks, he could build more buildings, and if he had more buildings, he could store more grain, and if he could store more grain, he would be more important the next time, the next time people needed food, the next time there was a famine. That's what brought the people of Israel to Egypt in the first place was a a famine. And Egypt was the only place around that still had food. Pharaoh remembered that and he said, I need more bricks. And you Israelites, you're going to make me my bricks each and every day. You're going to meet your quota of making these bricks for me. I'm that hard-nosed manager. I'm the production manager that's going to always make sure that the production schedule stays on track. There's going to be no delays whether it takes overtime, nights and weekends. You're going to get it done. And so the people live in these harsh working conditions being beaten. This is uh, what The book of Exodus has to say about uh, some of their working conditions. They, meaning the taskmasters and, and the Egyptians, made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. And in all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. We could say that they worked them to the bone. They would continue to force them to work. All throughout chapter 5 in Exodus, it talks about the way that the people were harsh and, and the added ruthless treatment that happened as Moses was trying to free the people of Israel from the rule of the Egyptians. We read that the slave drivers and the overseers they went out to the people and he said, this is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. Go get your own straw wherever you can find it. But your work won't be reduced at all. The environment they lived was not conducive to Sabbath rest. An environment, any environment that, that's about consumption... That's about the need of more puts the concept of Sabbath in the dust. You know, even if the people of Israel wanted to focus on the Lord, they were were called lazy. They said, sure, the Egyptians said, "You you can go and make a sacrifice to the Lord, but you still need to get your work done. You can go spend time with the Lord, but you still need to meet your production schedule for that Sabbath. It was a system in which the main purpose was to feed Pharaoh's need of glory. It was a system of a worldly economy based on a desire for more. And after the people were freed from this, after the Lord took them out of this place that bred weariness and bred exhaustion, this place where Israel thought that they were only the worth of what they had created that day, they were only the worth of what they had accomplished, God desires to then provide them a new rhythm in a, in a new way of life that is not based on consumption, but one that's based on his covenant with his people. A covenant of grace. A covenant of mercy. A covenant that does not provide anxiety, but gives peace. And so God creates these habits, these ten habits that he wants his people to follow as a a way of providing them a new life in which they will flourish. A way of life where they will experience rest in him. And so we see that the, the Sabbath, that the Lord even took a Sabbath. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them, but he rested the seventh day. Though God was all-powerful, though Scripture says that not only is God powerful, but he will not grow tired or weary, God rested. He doesn't need the rest, so to speak, like you and I did, because he he won't grow weary, and yet he provides an example for us to live. God is not addicted to work. God is not a workaholic. Even in the rhythm of creation, God institutes rest. Yet I think today, Amidst all the addictions you can find in the world, we might be addicted to business more than anything else. In most places, even in our society, addictions are typically not treated well. If you drink too much, you're usually fired. But if you work too much, you're given a raise and a promotion. Somehow, An addiction to work is rewarded. And yet Sabbath is given to us, given to the Israelites that we could experience something that maybe we're not prone to do on our own. We're prone to like to look back at the day and look at maybe all the things that we accomplished. We like looking at all the places that we've been, all the things that we've checked off on our schedule. Creating an unsustainable rhythm and the Lord says, no, for six days I worked and then I I rested and I want you to experience that with me. I want you to experience a, a sustainable rhythm. I want you to realize that you're more than what you accomplish. I want you to realize that you're you're my child no matter if you worked all day, every day, or if you took time to rest with me and let some of those things that demand your attention sit by the wayside. But the other thing is, not only does he want us to do that, he he desires us to experience that without anxiety. I think if any of you have have gone on vacation, you've probably always thought about all the things that you need to do when you get back. Or maybe if any of you have, have tried to make Sunday The Sabbath day, a day of rest sometime, all of a sudden, maybe in the afternoon at four o'clock, you begin to start thinking about all of those things that need to be done this next week. The Lord wants you to have a Sabbath time, have a, a time with Him without the need of experiencing that anxiety that we often have when we take a break. When we look at God and the way he rested, it says he he rested on the 7th day. It doesn't say first he micromanaged the wind and the rain and he made sure the birds were doing exactly what they were supposed to. He didn't he didn't check in to make sure that the bears were creating the right right bed for their cubs. He didn't he didn't check in with creation and micromanage it. He rested. He maybe didn't think about all those things that were going to happen the next week like we would. He took time to to be. God had complete confidence that this world that he created good, this world that he created and the people that he created very good, that they were going to be there the next day. And so he rested unanxiously. And that's what is offered to us. It's not this burden to us. Israel tried to make it into a burden. The Pharisees, the keepers of the law, so to speak, they decided that there needed to be 39 different types of rules that people needed to follow 39 different categories of rules, you you know, if you tied your shoe this morning or you untied it to tie it, you broke a rule, I'm sorry. You know, if you walk too many steps, you're going to break a rule. If you you do so many variety of things, you were going to break the Sabbath and, and the Pharisees made the Sabbath a burden to people and the Lord says to us, it's not a burden for you. The Sabbath is supposed to be a gift to you. It's supposed to be an opportunity to to rest with me. Not to debate what we can and cannot do. Uh, I've been meeting with a variety of people over the last couple weeks and one of them was uh, uh, daughter of a pastor, and we somehow got talking about Sabbath, and 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 we were remembering the ways that we grew up. And I'm like, Did you have people you couldn't play with? We had some Dutch Reform friends that they couldn't play on Sunday. And she goes, I remember, you know, as my dad was a pastor over here, I remember I had to drive the car around back when I would wash it on Sunday so no one would see. The Sabbath. It's to do those things with the Lord that provide us joy. It's to do those things that that we want in the presence and with the Lord that rejuvenate us. And I think it's unfortunate that often, often we don't treat Sabbath that way. I, gotta, I have a confession to make here. I usually try to spend Friday as my Sabbath, as a time where I'm not going to do any work, a time where I, I spend time with the Lord, maybe, and, and spend time with my family. And on the week that I was writing this sermon, I worked uh, Monday, and I worked Tuesday, and I worked Wednesday. And it was on Wednesday that I realized that I, oh yeah, I have the conference on Thursday and Friday. And then I usually prepare and work Saturday night and then I'm, I'll be here and then I'm teaching at a conference, uh, a Bible camp this next week. So I'll work on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and be back here Sunday. and I'm preaching on sabbath this week. It's really easy for us to think about all those things that we say that only I can accomplish and I I have I have to be working this day. I have to be working that day. I I I, I can't get away from this because if I take a day off, well then I'm going to be behind in my preparation for the camp, or I'm going to be behind in my preparation for this, or I won't be able to reach out to that person, and then all of a sudden, your own pastor is living contrary to what he's preaching on Sunday. That happens in all of our lives, though. We don't give ourselves the margin. We don't give ourselves permission to take time to rest unanxiously with the Lord. It's something that we, we all can learn from. So maybe we wonder, how do we do that? How can I take unanxious Rest time with the Lord. Well, first, we need to realize to ourselves that your life and the love that God has for you is not based on the amount of production and the amount of things that you've done through the week. just never the way it was meant to be. When Christ came, he didn't give us a 99% off coupon for salvation. Christ did all the work so that instead of our lives being put in a place where we feel like we need to make sure we make up that extra 1% by doing the work that instead we wouldn't have anxiety when we think of our salvation with the Lord because it's something that is secure entirely dependent not on ourselves but on the work that Christ has done. So that when we Get to that day that we set aside for Sabbath, we can take a, a rest from the normal work and rest in Christ. that we can take a break from those normal things that come up every week and and do something special and different, that we can gather with the Lord's people, that we can, Take time to listen to a a podcast or a sermon and have the Lord speak His Word and have that Word wash over us once again. That we can experience the Lord and His presence a new way, a different way. Would you wonder with me? Wonder with me this week how can you experience the Lord's rest in the midst of all that's going on? But also, wonder this, how can your Sabbath practices not only be life-giving and restful for you, but how can your Sabbath practices be life-giving and restful for the people you meet on that day? How can you share some of the Lord's rest with someone else so that they too can experience the unanxious, grace filled presence of the Lord with all the people that you meet? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord. Um, We often fail. We can get s- stuck in this mindset that we are what we do. Give us conviction by your spirit, but also peace that we would be willing, that we would be eager to rest with you, to find ways that our Sabbath practices and, and what we do would be uplifting not only for us, but also all those that we meet. Give us your grace when we fail. And give us your spirit that we would try again. In Christ's name we pray.